Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Come on, let's give, let's give some praise to a good God in here. Come on, those of you who are at home, just give praise to a good God. Amen, you may be seated. Happy New Year, everybody. What a real delight and honor it is to be found in the place of God, found in the presence of God. I don't know about y'all, man, but it's something about being around the body of Christ, being in the presence of the Lord. I told the, the volunteers this morning, I was quoting to them Psalm 16, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, it's, it's something about the joy that you experience when you're in the presence of God and the joy that you experience when you get to be around uh, like-minded believers. Pastor Timmy came and said, what's up to me? And when he came and said, what's up to me? It just, I don't know, something just inside of me just felt encouraged. You ever just felt down and you got around your crew and you just felt like, like the Lord was with you? Amen. That's what gathering with the body of Christ uh, does. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, this is the first Sunday of the year. Uh, we got a new year before us, a new month before us, a, a new chance, a new opportunity to fix what we messed up. Anybody made some mistakes last year? Well, 2022, we get to fix some things that we messed up. And don't, don't take it for granted. You know, whenever God gives you a new year or a, a birthday or you know, you get to see another holiday. Sometimes we just like enter those those moments and think that we should have arrived. We should have made it. But those of you at home, hear me and hear me clearly. You 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 shouldn't have made it. it it's by God's grace. It's by his mercy. I shouldn't have made it out of January 2021. But here we are in a new year. And, you know, God has extended grace to us in the areas where we made wrong decisions and wrong turns. God was gracious to us and he was good to us. So I, I just, I want, I want that to sit on you this morning that it is God's grace that we are in here. That breath that you are breathing right now, whether it's in that mask or not, that breath you're breathing is given to you by God. You're not, you're not telling yourself to breathe. You didn't tell yourself to wake up this morning. It is all the, but the grace of God. Can we just like worship Jesus in this room, y'all? On the first Sunday of a brand new year, God has given you what a wonderful God we serve. Well, I'm excited to preach uh, this morning. Why don't you grab your Bibles, uh, your devices, go to one of the last books of the Bible, the book of 1 John. It's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and there's the book of Jude, then the book of Revelation. So it's somewhere around the end. Go to 1 John. I wasn't, I'm not preaching all of those. Just go to the book of 1 John is where we're going to be. Uh, if you are scrolling on your phone, just scroll to the end of the books of the Bible in the, in the New Testament. You'll find the book of 1 John, small book there. Uh, as you turn there, just a quick observation and some quick pastoral guidance. You know, we are continuing to monitor this, uh, this Omicron uh, variant, this, this, um, this virus. There is certainly a lot going on um, in, just in our culture, and we just want to be mindful and, and, and careful as we are moving through life. And as a church, we want to be careful. Last week, we took off. It was just some exposures that we were trying to be careful of. Also, um, you know, with the Christmas holidays being last, last week, you know, we figured that people would be gathering with their family, and rightfully so, several of our, our staff members and 
um, volunteers had uh, contracted COVID. My wife and I contracted COVID during the holidays. And by God's grace, I tested negative this morning, by God's grace. <laughs> I did my test this morning before I came on in uh, to be around you guys. But uh, we did our 10-day quarantine. My wife is just tougher than me. She was walking around the house, and she was good. I was like a baby, like... I just, I just, it was a lot for me. And, um, you know, trying to also quarantine from two boys, two teenage boys that are in the house. And so we've all tested negative at this point. And I just want to express to you, be careful. You know, I, I know restaurants are open and, you know, you could ride on the subways and just, it, you know, it almost feels like life can just go right back to normal, but be careful. We've certainly take precautions here um, as a church. Uh, we want to be careful. We, we, you guys want you guys to feel safe, so we're asking everybody to keep their mask on unless, you are, unless you're up here speaking. And as soon as we're done, we're putting our masks back on. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that your safety is important to us. And if anybody is falling on any hard time um, uh, in any way, you need to let us know if you're sick. If it's a financial burden because of COVID, you need to just let us know. Um, because as a church, we're here to serve each other. You guys come and, you know, this is a joint participation. We want to serve each other. Uh, also, I just want to reiterate what Val was saying that, you know, historically what we've done as a church at the top of the year is we always want to begin our new year with a fast. And I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but fasting is... Um, it doesn't get God on your page. It gets you on God's page. It aligns you with the will of God. It aligns you with the purpose and the heart of God. And so, so many times we go through life and we make quick decisions. And I'm guilty of it. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. We make quick decisions and we don't, we're not thinking. And, we, you know, this year, some of you have aspirations and goals. What would it look like to submit all of that to the Lord? Submit your plans to the Lord. And so we do that the first, um, not the first week, but we do that the second week of the year. Uh, in January. So January 10th, somebody say January 10th. January 10th. Not to say to January 14th. So the 10th to the 14th, that's a Monday to a Friday. We are, we are fasting. More detail will be rolled out to you this week. Uh, I'll certainly dedicate more pulpit time next week to talk about uh, the fast, but there's going to be many, many ways that you can connect. And uh, fasting is not easy. Uh, though I don't know about y'all, I like to eat and I like social media and I like to be online. I like to be connected and, you know, but sometimes those things become distractions. What I would say is cluttering the cross. And sometimes you got to move that stuff out the way in order to dial into the Lord. So I found out that fasting is easier done together. It's harder by yourself, but together, if we can all do it, and you can be like, girl, what you, you better not be eating today. What you, you know, that type of stuff, that really does help us to fast uh, together and, and really, you know, hold ourselves accountable. So uh, Monday the 10th to Friday the 14th, we will be fasting. We are calling it at the feet of Jesus because we want to submit this entire year to the Lord. And one of the ways that we do that is how we begin. It's like, you know, the, a sprinter coming out the blocks. How you begin the year is so important. So we want to come out and come out well and come out strong. Amen. Y'all going y'all gonna to join in that, 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 uh, that fast? All right. If y'all don't know, I like some talk back. So y'all give me a little bit. First John. First John chapter one. Won't you pick me up in verse five? This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you. You should underline this phrase that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all, from all of our sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. I want to preach today on this first Sunday of the year. I'm going to preach from the topic entitled The Year of Obedience. The Year of Obedience. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Our Father, we are so thankful this morning. We are thankful for your presence. We're thankful to be around the body. Pray that you would protect us today as we gather here. Those who are at home, Lord, I pray nothing but uh, favor and open doors and protection over them. As we dig into your word, oh God, we, we do so like we do every week, dependent on you. Asking you to speak to us. You, would you use me and speak through a, a, a broken vessel like me? And use all of us to hear your word. Holy Spirit, be present. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we do pray. Amen. The year of obedience. Um, on New Year's night, uh, I was going to say last year, I guess last year, this year, New Year's night, a couple nights ago, my family and I, um, you know, like everybody else, we, we're trying to make sure that we are being safe and we're not going out. I know some of y'all went clubbing and I just could we this year we had to we found ourselves just like in the house. <clears throat> and while we were in the house, one of the things we wanted to do was when the when the when the when the clock was starting to, to count down, we wanted to make sure that we were like gathering for prayer and uh, the other thing we wanted to do was we wanted to make sure that we set out some goals. What are some goals we, from from the boys? I have a, a 15-year-old and I have a actually a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old and we wanted to just like hear what are their hearts, what are, what are you hoping for this year? You know, Ty and I laid out what our desires were for 2022. And, you know, we do that for two reasons. Number one, we want the family to hear what's on each other's hearts. But the other reason we did that is for accountability reasons. We, we want to be able to say, hey, this is my goal. And then now I've told it to three other people. And so I should be held accountable for it. And, I don't know how you feel about New Year's resolutions. There's a lot of people that don't like New Year's resolutions. Is that, is that one of you in here that you just don't do? I, a few people just don't do res New Year's resolutions, typically because most people don't follow through <laughs> with New Year's resolutions. I found out, you know, I was reading some research by, uh, it's a group called Barner Group, and they, they kind of do these research and these studies. Found out that only 9% of people who set a New Year's goal actually feel like they successfully completed it at the end of the year. That, that means 91% of people, and by the way, most people fall off by the end of January. <laughs> January 2nd, they've fallen off. But this study says only 9% of people that actually say that they're going to do some type of goal actually complete it. And, you know, 91% is a, is a pretty high failure rate. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rate that's really high where people are committing that they're going to do this thing in, in, in whatever year it is, and then they fall off. And despite how you feel about New Year's resolutions, a lot of people make them. In fact, most of the people in this room, no one raised their hand. A few people raised their hand, and I said, who hates New Year's resolutions? But the majority of the room has set some type of goal. Has, has, has made some type of declaration that this is what I'm going to accomplish by the time we get to December 31st. And in that same uh, research, I found out that here are the top 10 
The top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2022. By the way, these, these usually are pretty consistent year over year. First one, you wouldn't be surprised. Most people, number one New Year's resolution is people want to exercise more. Is that your New Year's resolution? <laughs> Somebody said no. The second one is people want to lose weight. Third is get organized. Fourth is a new skill or a new hobby. Fight, uh, uh, fifth, is, <laughs> fifth is live life to the fullest. Number six is save money or spend less. I need all of us to say amen right there. Number seven, Josh told me this was his, quit smoking and quit drinking. That's Josh's New Year's resolution. Number eight is spend more time with family and friends. Number nine is travel more. And number 10 is read more. And this is a pretty consistent list. Again, year over year, this, this is pretty much what people are saying that they want to do by the end of the year. But as I was reading this list and as I was pondering my own personal goals and some of the things that I want to see God do, you know, as a believer, I started to get convicted because I was wondering how many of my goals are aligned with what God wants. You know, I, I thought about this idea of what would my year be like? As I said, this is the year of obedience. What would my year be like if my, 22, my 2022 was filled with complete obedience to God? What, what, what would your year be like if what you, strove, what you strove to do for 2022 was, God, I just want to pursue obedience. Whatever you told me to do, when you said turn, I turned. When you said stop, I stopped. When you said get out of that relationship, many of us are stuck in relationships. And I'm not just talking intimate relationships, but it's friendships. And you know it's toxic. When he says get out, I want to get out. When he, says, when he says leave that job and go to another job despite the fact I don't have the money, uh, the bills are coming, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't have the resources, I don't have the connections. I want to be obedient no matter what. When he says pray more, I want to pray more. He says, dig into your word more. I want to dig into my word more. How many want this year to be marked by pure obedience to God? Lord, what will my year be like? By aggressively pursued obedience. It's D.L. Moody, theologian, that said, there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. You can call me crazy if you want to, but I believe that your peace in 22 is connected to your obedience. That, that right there, that's like IG shareable right there. That's, that's like tweetable right there. I, I really believe that. I believe that your peace in 2022 will be deeply connected to your obedience. Can you just like make that a declaration? Say my peace in 2022 is tied to my obedience to God. I am so convinced that people are trying to pursue peace absent of obedience to God. But I can promise you, I don't know if this is prophetic or not, but I can promise you your 2022 will be jacked up if you do not pursue, if you're pursuing a bunch of other goals, but you're not pursuing obedience to God. And for, the reality is many of us in 2021, not just you, many of us in this room have missed opportunities of obedience to God in, in 2021. Many of us have missed moments of aligning with his will. Many of us have missed moments where we heard the voice of God. And by the way, being obedient to God means that you actually have to have a relationship with him. 
To have a relationship with them means you actually have to spend some time praying and talking to them. Nothing deep. Spend some time just asking him, not just walking through your day and saying, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this, but actually commit some time of devotion and prayer to God. Can you imagine that? That if every day of this year, every day, you took your calendar and you blocked off a few minutes and said, this moment is devotion to God. Well, I've been praying. I am reading my word. I ain't going deep. I ain't parsing Greek. I ain't doing it. I'm just, I just want to hear from God. You get obedience by actually spending time with him. And many of us missed those opportunities last year. And as a consequence, our year was filled with aggravation. We, we, were, we had feelings of being stuck. Feelings of anxiety. We were frustrated, and many of us were frustrated because we lacked peace. We lacked peace. Why? Because we weren't obedient to God. Your 2022 will be as great as your obedience to God. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. So the passage before us, 1 John, I think is going to help us to understand what obedience looks like, and it's going to show us the dangers in not being obedient to God. And my prayer this year for Epiphany Church, uh, not just corporately, but Epiphany Church is made up of individuals. My prayer for you in this room and you, you online and those that are coming to the second service, my prayer for all of us is that your year of 2022 would not be just surviving. I want you to thrive. And thriving is connected to obedience. So the text before us, there's really the theme of it I'm just going to break it down this way. Verse 6 and 7 really show us what the theme of obedience is. And then verse 8 through 10 is going to show us what the theme of obedience is. But both of them start with a claim. And the claim, the the obedience is tied to the claim. Can I give you the first claim? I told you to underline it. Verse 5. Y'all rocking with me? This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. Here's the claim that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness. Notice this, at all. <laughs> there is no darkness in our God at all. In him, he is light. He doesn't, he doesn't like sit in the light. He is light. And that is so important for us. And I don't think we understand this idea of God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. We don't understand how, how deep and, and extraordinary this concept is. Sometimes we read passages like this, Pastor, and we just run over it. And we don't let the depth of the text sit in our heart. God is light, meaning God is pure. God is holy. God, God is just. I love the song we just sang, God is good. All the time. That's what light means. It, it's synonymous with him being pure, with him being good. And we don't serve a God that, that is flawed. We don't serve, serve a God that's fallible. We, we don't serve a God that's, that, that has error or makes mistakes, but we serve a God that's pure, perfect, and righteous. And this makes God in a class of his own. You don't know anybody that is light. You don't know anybody that is pure. You don't know anybody that is perfect and This is beautiful because culture will present to you that God is this old man in in the sky with a gray beard that simply wants to rob you of joy. Culture will present to you that God is this God that sits in heaven and he has a list of do not do's to rob you of joy and make you not live life to the fullest. The devil is a liar. God is pure. God is light. God is good. And the greatest way that we see the goodness of God and the light of God is shown through his son, Jesus Christ. Because when we, a couple of weeks ago, when we were celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, what you were celebrating was that light became flesh for you. 
This idea of God as light is so, it's so massive to us because we are not blameless and we are not wholly apart from God. We don't understand what it means, but we get to see that in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a verse tucked away in the book of Colossians. It says that he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. We get to see what God is like by looking at Jesus. That's why when you come in here, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to sing about Jesus. We're going, to, we're going to worship Jesus because he shows you. You want to know what God is like? You look at Jesus because Jesus reveals all of him to us. We want to talk about Jesus being like John chapter 8. Here's what Jesus says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 12, verse 36. Here's what Jesus says. While you have the light, believe in the light. That you may become sons of light. The Bible is consistent in this teaching that God is light, that God is good, that God is pure. But you know, the other thing that light does is light is not just there to show you what purity looks like, but light actually has an illuminating factor. These lights that are on right now, if all of these lights are off, it would be pitch black in here. But what these lights are doing is watch this. They're exposing what's in the room. They're, they're, they're exposing what's in my life. They're exposed. So when you look at the light, when it says God is light, what it's doing is it's a reflection exposing to you the dark places of my heart, the inconsistencies within my light. When you actually think about this idea of light, light reveals. So when you look at the beautiful holiness of God, what you're met with is this feeling of brokenness, but it's not meant to put you in despair, but meant to push you toward Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? When I look at the light of Jesus Christ, I never beat my chest and say, oh, I'm, I'm just like him. No, no, I'm always kneeling and saying, God, I want to pursue peace. I want to pursue uh, what Jesus has given me, which is life and life more abundantly. Light exposes everything. Some of y'all ain't here right now going, oh, see, here we go. He won't put me down. He talking about he light and we darkness. But the reality is all of us have to come to grips with this idea that we all have sin in our life. You need to say amen. Maybe you're sinless. All of us in this room have some type of sin in our life, sin that is known, that people know about, and sin that people don't know about. And I love verse 7 because verse 7 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If you, if you walk around and you say, I've overcome everything and I'm good, we deceive ourselves. And so I always been to be in a posture of, man, I like Paul. Paul used to say stuff like, I'm the chief of sinners. He's not saying I'm just going around sinning. He's saying, I know who I am in light of who God is. And this, this idea of being a deep sinner helps us to understand our neediness. How, how many know in 2022, you need to be God needy? Because sinful people are God needy. I need him every day. I need him every moment. I need him every second. When I wake up in the morning, I need to wake up and say, God, today I'm a sinner and I need you. And the problem with most of us in this room is, and those of you who are online, the problem is when I said we are sinners, you're thinking behavior. But our sin is deeper than just behavior. How many know that our sin is also the ill intentions of our heart? Sometimes we do good with bad intentions. Sometimes we do good with ill motives. Sometimes we do good with selfish intent. And the reality is when I think about my sin, I don't just think action and behavior. I think thoughts and I think intention. 
ooh, there's a verse tucked away in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where God was about to flood the earth. And the Bible says that he looked at Noah. And when he looked at Noah, he said, every intention of their hearts is set on evil continuously. That's what the verse says. He said, the Bible says that the Lord saw the wickedness. Break this down, please. Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of the earth. And he saw that every intention of their heart was set on evil continuously. Can you imagine? That means there never was a moment that they didn't think about evil. And sometimes we can be like, oh, that ain't me. And we read the Bible as though we would be on Jesus' side. And the reality is, I wonder if God looks down, if he sees the intent of our heart. And he's like, they're always set on evil. Their hearts are always broken. God is light. And in contrast, I am not. When you're thinking about your sin, I need you not to just think about your behavior. I really do need you to think about your thoughts, the stuff that nobody knows about, the stuff that you get away with. Think about those things. You know, I've been pastoring for a while now, and, you know, one of the things I noticed about pastoring is this is going to be deep. You deal with a lot of people with sin. Like when I'm counseling people and they're telling me what is going on, if there oftentimes I met with a whole bunch of sin, you would be surprised how deep sin can go. But the reality is when people are telling me about their sin, I'm never surprised. In fact, if I'm surprised, here's what I'm surprised at. What you just told me ain't worse. That's what I'm thinking. That's, you know why I'm thinking that? Because every intention of the heart is set on evil continuously. The reason you come in here and every week it feels like I beat you up and be like, we're sinners, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. I feel like Oprah, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And every week you come in here and I do that because I never want you to deceive yourself. Verse 7, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Because if I am met with the reality that I am not light, I will always pursue the light. I will, if the moment I feel like I've arrived, or I've graduated. I'm going to help you out. You did not graduate from sin. You did not graduate from sin. We are all, until Jesus comes back for, to, for us, we're in the presence of sin, but sin is also in our hearts. The Bible says that God is light. Light illuminates. Light shows us the room. Years ago, I went to a museum in Philadelphia. It's called the Please Touch Museum. You know, normally time you, you'll go to a museum, they'll say, don't touch anything. This is a kid's museum called the Please Touch Museum. I doubt if they have it open right now. It's just not COVID friendly. But you literally touch everything in, in, the, in, the, in the museum. And there's one room in the museum. It's called the dark room. And you go in this room and they put you in the room with a bunch of kids. It's just such a place. I mean, if you have anxiety, this is not the room for you. But you go in this room and... There's, uh, there, there's tables and chairs and there's doors and there's tunnels that you, gotta, you actually got to get on your hands and knees and crawl through. But you don't make, the goal is to make it out of the room. This is not like an escape room, though. You're not doing clues. To get out of the room, you have to feel your way out. How do you do that? They literally shut off all the lights in the room. And so you, anybody ever been there? Where you literally can put your hand in front of your face and not see your hand. That's how dark the room is. So I'm in this room with all these kids, and they turn off the lights, and we all, and they have one rule, you cannot run. People are running <laughs> and bumping each other, and one girl, I'm telling you, she started to have a panic attack. They had to go in there and get her and guide her out. 
and, and you're feeling and you're trying to find out where you are and you're knocking through stuff. And at one point, my heart started to race. I started to get real anxious. I started to feel claustrophobic. I'm in this big room, but I'm feeling claustrophobic. Why? Because the lights were off. Because nothing was exposed. And I can promise you in 2022, that will be your life if you are not consistently being exposed by the light. You will be walking through 2022, bumping into stuff full of anxiety, full of fear and worried and not knowing your direction and not being illuminated to the, to the door and, the, and where you should be going. But the reality is you can walk. See, when they turned the lights on, I walked like I had some swag. And it wasn't because of me. It was because the lights were on. So when the Bible says God is light, I want to bask in the light. I want to be in the light. I want to be connected to the light. Why? Because it exposes my path, but it also exposes what is in me. I want to walk out like I walked out when they turned the lights on at the Please Touch Museum without any anxiety. 2022, this is what you need. Constant exposure to being illuminated to the light. That's what you need. You want to know what direction to go into? Like some of y'all right now, how many got that one decision that ah, I got to make it? I got a deadline on it. You want to know that decision, be exposed to the light. You, you, you want to know what direction to go in, be exposed to the light. You want to know if you really should quit that job and pursue something, be exposed to the light. Because what the light will do, it will reveal to you. Come into the light, Carolyn. I don't know why that popped in my mind, but... It did. All right, look, look, so the claim here, here's the claim. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Okay, so what are we supposed to do with that? Here's the contrast, and here sometimes is the contradiction. Here it is, verse number six. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Please, I want to highlight the first part of that, if we say. There's a contradiction that is being shown here. We're talking about obedience. There's a lack of obedience here. It is showing, verse 6 is showing, there are some times that you can say something but do something different. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. This is showing that, that, that gap between your profession and your demonstration. How many know that there's always a gap? There is. There's always a gap between what you feel is a conviction. I would never do that. But then what you actually do, there always is a gap. And, and honestly, spiritual spiritual growth is closing the gap. 2022, that's all. That's what you should be pursuing. When I talked about obedience, I'm talking about closing the gap. What you say and what you do. And the crazy thing about that gap is the people that are closest to you get to see the gap the most. This is why husbands and wives argue. This is why best friends get to call you out because they see what you say. He says here, if we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. 2022, we, we need to rid ourselves of contradictions. We need to rid ourselves of those double lives that we live. I was just telling my son this, 18 years old, just trying to prepare him for the world. I'm like, listen, man, living a double life is, 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 is just, it's, 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 it's exhausting. You get married and you live in a double life, exhausting. You trying to hide stuff from people, exhausting. Somebody going, well, Pastor B, how do I know if I'm living in contradiction? How do I, what is the difference? How do I know the difference between what I say and what I do? How do I know if I'm living a double life? Number one, many people 
have become good at living double lives. It's become normal. And I'm not just talking to like, sometimes we talk about stuff like this. We're thinking about people out there. No, I'm talking about people in here. We've become good. We have become good at living double lives where we profess belief, where we profess that we have certain convictions, and then we compartmentalize Christianity. And Jesus becomes the thing I do on Sundays, and so I'm only pursuing Jesus when I'm around believers, but I got those other group of friends that I just let loose. Double life. And y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's why we got so many group chats in the phone. Oh, come on. Y'all know we all got a group. We got three group chats. Everybody, you might have more, but you have these three. You have the one group chat where everybody's sending scriptures. Here's the devotional for today. Here's the daily devotion. Everybody got that one group chat. And that's the boring group chat. But then we have the second group chat, which is full of memes. That gives you joy. Y'all know that group chat where everybody's sending that meme in there. But then there's a third. And the third group chat typically is the one full of contradictions. The third group chat is the one where we let loose. The third group chat is the one where I ain't bringing these people to church. They, I, I, they, I love these people. These are my, these are my boys. These, 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 are my, these are my girls. And the reality is God is looking. This is what, that's what you need to do in 2022. Have the W become one. Start to pull away. Start to look at your life and say, how am I living in contradiction? If we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. And most of us have become good. We've become experts at the double life. We've become experts at the contradiction. How else, Pastor B, do I know that I'm living in contradiction? Number two, when we start making excuses for our sin. You know, this is just the way I am. God is gracious to me. You know, we start, everybody else is doing it. And we start to make excuses. When you start to make excuses, you are living in verse number six. If we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness. Now, I don't know if you'll be honest on any level, but I'll, I'll be honest, man. There are times where I make excuses. It's functional dysfunction. I make excuses for my own sin. I make excuses. Stuff that I used to hate, I now tolerate. I make excuses. And number, verse number six should weigh heavy on us today. I do not want to go through 2022 and be the person saying one thing and doing another. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. It's called spiritual growth. It's called sanctification. It's called, it's called growing up to look more like Jesus. And the person that will grow up is a person that's committed to obedience. Let's keep moving here. Verse number seven. Y'all good? But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light, says we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, if we're constantly being exposed to the light, two things happen. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Let me just deal with the first one. We'll have fellowship with one another. Sin breaks fellowship. But when you are walking in the light, we then get to fight each, we get to fight the devil together. Problem with our 2021 is many of us have gone through life and we've done it by ourselves. And we've been in the ring by ourselves and we've been fighting. I can just promise you the enemy's strong. You can blood a G, the enemy is strong. And sometimes what you need is other people that are in the ring with you. If we, if we walk in the light, we'll have fellowship 
with one another. I, I love this idea of fellowship. It's actually introduced to us. If you're taking notes, it's in verse three as well. Verse three says something similar that we have uh, uh, that that which we have heard and seen, we proclaim to you so that many have fellowship with us. This word fellowship, uh, the, the, the root word of it, the Greek word is koinonia. I've said this before. Koinonia doesn't just mean come over my house and let's do a Netflix and chill night. That, that's, not, that's not koinonia. It's actually the root word of it is joint participation. You give to me and I'm giving to you. You fight with me and I'm fighting with you. And too many of us have lived in isolation for so long, but as believers, it's an oxymoron. Those of you who have trusted in Jesus, if those of you who are online, please hear me and hear me clearly. This year, you need some people in the ring with you. Says if we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another. If we can walk with them, if we can be exposed and we can, sh- our sin is being exposed and we get fellowship with one another. This, this, this idea of koinonia, the first time it's used, it's not used in Matthew. It's not used in Mark. It's not used in Luke. John doesn't use it. The first time that word is used in his act is in Acts chapter 2. What's so deep about that is Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit falls. It is almost as though the Holy Spirit is saying you can't achieve real fellowship without the Holy Spirit. You can't achieve real koinonia without the Holy Spirit. And then after it's used in Acts chapter 2, John picks up the pen and he says the same thing. Koinonia, let's have fellowship with one another. How do we do that if we can? We can walk in the light. We'll have fellowship with one another. We'll have joint participation. We'll, we'll, there, there will be some giving on both sides. How many of you have that relationship where it's one-sided? You're the only one giving. And then you walk away and feel depleted. What we need is joint participation. Where you're giving of your time and you're giving me your energy, and I'm giving you my time, and I'm giving you my energy. And you know, you, this is how you know. Some of you are going, ah, am I in that type of relationship? Here's how you know. If you're having a conversation with somebody, and they dominate the conversation, and they never ask you how you're doing, you could be in a one-sided relationship. And what we need this year is koinonia. We need joint participation And so this idea of fellowship is in the scriptures. It's deeply rooted in the scriptures. But I can promise you, this is why as a church, we are striving our best to make sure that we're doing discipleship and that that you are connecting, that we have ways of serving. We're not asking you to serve. See, sometimes people think they just ask me to serve because they need people. Yeah, that's true. But the reality is, you know, the, the benefit of serving is communion with other people. The benefit of serving is community. The benefit of serving is fellowship. You get to meet people and, and, and you get to connect with people. And so this year can't be the year where I just come to church and leave out. This can't be that year. That might have been last year. And some of you are in that season where you're too busy and you, and you got stuff going on. I get it. But we have to get to the place where we're like Hebrews 10 says, do not neglect to meet together. And that's deeper than just Sunday morning. Sunday morning can't do you justice. I don't know why I'm going on a rant here. I'm not angry. I promise you I'm not. I just want to see us have joint participation. I want to see us get to the place of what verse 7 says. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's so much easier to stay home. It's so much easier not to go. It's so much more comfortable. Be careful, but it's so much more comfortable just lay on my bed and put on the live stream. But there is something about the pursuit. And when we're talking about obedience, obedience is best met when you have other people in the ring with you. I got to move on. Let's land the plane here. So 
I really have homework for y'all. I really want y'all to memorize verse 9. Please write this down. I want you to memorize verse 9. And I don't want you to memorize it by the end of the year. I want you to memorize it by the next week. Next week, when I come up to y'all and I see y'all, I'll be like, yo, what's 1 John 1 verse 9? Because many of us have struggled throughout 2021, but if you can get to this place where this is constantly over your life, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First of all, do you know how much grace is in that verse? If you confess your sin, the rest of it doesn't say he'll beat you up. If you confess your lack of obedience in 2021, the verse doesn't say he's going to slap you. It says he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of that sin and then purify us from all unrighteousness. I feel somebody being freed today. I feel somebody, somebody that, that, that can understand verse 9, that we serve a God that is gracious, that loves us. And the journey towards obedience starts with confession of sin. See, we live in this age that we're very attractional. Church becomes very attractional. Who can do the quickest sound bite? We're not preaching on sin no more. Don't you call people sinners. Don't you tell me I'm a sinner. I don't come for that. Right? I come for an uplifting word. I come to be encouraged. Well, that's just not this church. You come here for me to tell you you're a sinner. You come here for me to tell you you need to confess your sins. Because remember, verse 5 God is light. When we stand before God, he's going to want to know what you did with those sins. And here's why we worship Jesus. Because Jesus goes on the cross and absorbs all of the sin. This is why you can confess it. You can confess it because Jesus has already died for it. See, you thought I was beating you up and I'm saying you're a sinner. No, I'm not beating you up. I'm giving you the opportunity to confess the sin. Because if you can confess it, he is faithful He's just, and he'll forgive us of our sins. Who wants to have a relentless pursuit of obedience? It starts with confessing sin. It starts with getting people, the koinonia, fellowship in my life. It starts with a deeper dedication. You know, some of us, this is not as deep as we think. Sometimes obedience is just, dis- you got to be disciplined. I mean, we discipline everything else. I'll be getting on my boys. I'm closing. I'm ending here. I be getting on my boy, especially my youngest one. I get him about, you know, cleaning up and cleaning his room and doing the dishes and things like that. And there's a, the reason I have to keep getting on him because there's a lack of discipline in that area. But when I watch him play the game, I mean, I ain't never seen discipline like that before. He, you know, he got the, the headset and he telling somebody on the other end, go left. And this, why are you doing that this way? Like there's such a discipline. And I wonder if that's us in this room. I wonder if we lack discipline when it comes to obedience to God, but we have discipline on our jobs. You put that spreadsheet together real well. Right? We, we do that project real well. But when you lack disobedience in the most important area, it'll frustrate your year. Every head bow and every eye close. No altar call today. This idea of confession of sin. I just want us to notice, number one, is pretense. It doesn't say... If you confess, duh. It says if you confess your sin, present time. And I'm not a naive pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm young behind, I'm a little wet behind the ears in pastoring. But the reality is, what I know is that there's somebody in this room that needs to confess that sin. 
It's been weighing on you. It's been burdening, holding you down. And you wouldn't be released today. Some of us in this room are like me in the Please Touch Museum. Just bumping through life and everything's chaotic. But today you can be freed from it. And here's how I know. I'm, this, ain't, this ain't hyperbole. This ain't me guessing. Here's how I know you can be free from it. Because it says he's faithful and just. He's faithful and just. He's faithful and just. To forgive us of that sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. I thank you for every single individual. Every person in this room represents a soul. Every soul in this room represents a person that has the potential to be obedient to you. Father, we want our years to be marked. This first Sunday of the year, we, we are making a declaration that we want our year to be marked by pursuing obedience to you. We know that the best place we could be in life is in your will. You telling us to go left may not make sense to us in January, but somehow we, obedience to you is always appreciated when we look back in retrospect. We look back and see how you've kept us and how you've covered us and how that did, decision didn't make sense. But because we were connected to you and you told us to go, we did it. And Father, we thank you. Father, I pray that you would keep somebody in this room from a bad decision. Help someone recover from a bad decision. Keep someone from making the wrong turn in this room. I pray that you would breed discipline, that it would be contagious. And it would be contagious that we would walk out of here if all of us would lock arms and say, I'm going to be more obedient this year. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every individual in this room. I thank you for this word. I pray. I don't know who it's for, but I pray that we would hide it in our hearts, that we would never sin against it. That we would walk out of here and be more obedient to you this year than we were last year. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray.